Welcome to Take Care Tuesday. My name is Janice Wallaby. October is designated as National Bullying Prevention Month. And on this episode, we are talking to a middle school counselor on bullying in middle school. Jason Brown is the lead counselor of Quell Valley Middle School in Fort Bend ISD. He earned a Bachelor of Science in Secondary Education and a Master of Science in Counseling. He has lived this middle school life as a math teacher, a school counselor, a director of youth and children's ministry, and a super dad of two energetic, busy middle school and high school students. He adds to his layers of focusing on youth with his Warrior Society Mentor Program for Boys and hosting a podcast. Our conversation focuses on why bullying peaks in middle school and the conversation ends with strategies for students and adults to use. Let's jump into it. Jason, it's great to have you here. Um, this is your wheelhouse. You're a middle school counselor, right? We talked about uh, in the introduction when I introduced you, everybody knows this is where you sit. This is where you lead. Um, I was looking at some stats and the stats was saying one in five high school students in the nation reported being bullying in 2019, according to a CDC study, the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, right? Uh, but here's an interesting thing. They said middle schoolers reported an even higher rate at 28%. So where I wanna take this particular podcast is why does bullying peak in middle school? I know everybody's gonna say, well, this is why but I think we really need to pick it apart and examine it. So why is that? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the, the invitation, the opportunity to, to be a part of this conversation. Um, if, if you've been around children for any amount of time, uh, then you, you know things change right around those tween years, uh, hormonally, socially, they're just very different. Uh, if you think about, or if you think way back to when you were younger, in your early formative years, uh, your level of understanding of the world was was very simple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you got a if you got a ball, and I got a stick, then we could play, right? Uh -huh. If you got a yard, or you got a hoop, or something, um, it really didn't matter. It was just about let's let's really have a good time because we're we're kids and younger kids. But then we know as we get older. Then we get more access to information, bodies start to change, opinions start to really form. Uh, you're shaped by your environment, whether it's home or, or, or the teams that you may play for, the churches you go to or, or don't engage in. Uh, all of those things start to have a factor to when you get to a certain age and your reasoning changes as well, I believe. Um, and that's, that's very similar to what even I experienced um, growing up in a predominantly white area where at the beginning it was no big deal. We just playing ball till somebody realized that I was black. <laughs> and I don't know who, <laughs> I don't even know who told him that, you know, I, I knew it, but it was, it was, let's have a good time. We're going to the pool, it's just a pool. We're going to the park, it's just a park. Uh, but as you get older, uh, whatever differences, differences that there are, I think they begin to intensify and magnify. And especially in those years where the hormones really start to, get to moving and shaking is in middle school. I have talked to several educator friends 
Uh, and unless you are in the middle school area, nobody wants middle school. <laughs> nobody wants to be around that group of kids because they are so in the in-between stage. Uh, you have, you know, at that point, the, the, the girls, the boys have not yet outgrown the girls, but they're on the way, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, uh, the boys are smelling different. They used to be ugly and funky and stinky. And all of a sudden, mm, maybe not so stinky, <laughs> right? Um, the boys are still more immature than the girls are, right? Um, and so I think a lot of this stuff happens in middle school and peaks in uh, middle school because these are where some of the real hormonal changes are happening. And these changes are the changes that are going to be there for a lifetime. Uh, where they'll be in this different hormonal space longer than they will be uh, when they're elementary students. Um, and so uh, so when you start to see these dynamics form, then you start to form groups. Yeah. Um, right. And then um, and then because these groups start to form, then you have people that may not fit. And you have isolation, whatever that group is like. I found out these kids are smart. These kids are athletic. Or these kids like this type of music or even. Uh, because I'm in the band or whatever. And then there's some people that really just don't seem to fit anywhere mm -hmm. and, and use their influence, their size, or even their intellect to kind of wield a, a level of, what's, what's the phrase, an imbalance of power mm -hmm. or, or a level of intimidation. And, and I've seen it on so many fronts. So a lot of times we think the bully is always just punching people and pushing people and, you know, jumping at people, making them flinch and scared or taking their lunch money. When we're in a time of space now, Janice, where there's a lot of stuff is, is, is happening in some very serious intellectual circles amongst kids, um, where they're making other kids to feel like they shouldn't be in advanced classes or they're not as intelligent. Um, or you are not as good at this instrument as I am and start to, form groups to isolate other kids to where they feel intimidated uh, there's an imbalance of power uh, which is some of the crux of, of this bullying but it starts right around here when skill sets and hormones and these things start to really take form and then these groups and these cliques really start to formulate and then you start to see people isolated um, and then they try and do other things to either offset their feelings or to make themselves fit in and bullying is one of those things as you were describing all of that, uh, I, I took a couple of words. You said life goes from being simple to being complex. And hitting so. that at the tween years. I mean, as you were, were describing, I think I went back a couple, not, not a couple of years, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's just a couple of years. Just, just a, a little bit. Years. I went back a little bit and I vividly saw things and remembered things that I wasn't even thinking about until you start talking. So it does hold a, it does hold that emotional space. So absolutely can see why it happens. But here's why I also want to go in a little bit about it. You've been in this space as far as an educator for a while in the middle school area. And I know personally as a parent, you're right in the middle of it because uh, you're living it with your own. Um, but I want to talk about what you might be doing in your in your school at Quell Valley Middle. Uh, what are you guys doing to combat this bullying? That 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 is a very um, very good question, Janice. Doing doing a, doing several things. Let me see if I can run through a, a few of them. So one of the things is uh, empowering our students um, to imagine a different kind of existence, if you will. Um, equipping uh, equipping them to 
build spaces in our school where there's space for everybody. Let me see if I can make that make sense. <clears throat> Whether it be the bully or the victim, one of the commonalities that they have is that they don't fit somewhere because of something, right? right. Um, I know in bullying, we talk a lot about the victim and we talk little to nothing about the perpetrator. Say right. that again. Say that again, because that's so important. I think that right. even though we don't want to give them that power, can you, Jess, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but that's so, that's so key. Matter of fact, I remember, um, do you remember I was when I was at um, a different middle school and I brought some students over to, to U of H. Oh, to the Defamation was, League. Uh, to the Defamation League. And mm -hmm. those kids came up with the idea of writing letters to bullies. Mm -hmm. and, and, and giving them some kind of encouragement or some kind of alternate behavior to let them know that, you know, you don't have to do that or, you know, it, it's okay. Because you'll, you'll find that the bully is oftentimes isolated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and typically, and I'll take this from an old uh, preacher friend of mine, and he said it like this, people are typically, they're not fussing about what they're mad about, <laughs> Right. And so you, you have somebody that's always, and we experience this as adults in the workplace, that you will get these vitriolic reactions um, to what, to things, to thing, things that seem minor, mm -hmm. right? Or are, mm -hmm. are you, are you seem like you're getting pushed around or harassed by a particular person only to find out that they're fussing at you or they're after you, but it's not really you that they're after. It's some kind of pain or trauma that's either in their life currently or has been in their life that they were never able to rectify because it was beyond their control, but they still have that pain and have not found the tools to combat that stuff. Yeah, right. 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 Um, <clears throat> and so the same thing happens in young people that there's some kind of trauma or some kind of lifestyle that's taught that says, this is how you make yourself known or this is how you make yourself fit or this is how you make your mark or this is how you deal with your pain or deal with your your trauma and so those kids at McCullough were like yeah we're gonna let's let's look at the bully let's see if we can deal with the perpetrator and, and get some of this turned around as well let's attack it from both ends uh, but at, at at Coel Valley where I work uh, one of the things we empower our students to do is to start clubs start clubs that are student uh, imagined and student led with uh, adult supervision, if you will. Mm -hmm. And what this does is it allows students to create a club literally for anything, just about for any reason that's within the scope of the student code of conduct and district expectations. Uh, this happened just this week as we go through some of the uh, our needs assessment where we do a survey on kids just to check and see how they're doing and see if they have any issues that need discussing. And it's not all painful stuff. I had two kids that say, save the bees, save the bees, save the bees. <laughs> I said, yeah. they don't know who read that because I'm interested in bee life. I, I'm interested in ant life. I'm a little weird like that. So if I ever find an insect show, I actually sit and watch it. Like, I, like it's, it's, it's real entertainment for me. And there's so many life lessons, right? Uh, but they also, I also know that bees in particular play a very special part in the way we live. Mm -hmm. And so I pull the students in and they said, Mr. Brown, we need to be saving the bees by planting flowers and those kind of things. I said, have you ever considered starting a club that, that promotes this kind of stuff? Like, no, 
I was like, well, I'll I'll take some time out and sponsor just so I can have a sponsor, but you all don't need me to do it. You just need me to sign off on it, essentially. <clears throat> Before you know it, I look at their lunch table and they have eight kids involved in this B project. Cool. <laughs> Cool, <laughs> but that is so important. That's a, that's important to our ecosystem, and so they they probably you know that's where they tapped in. Wow. But watch this. So then now you have a group of kids who all who led by one or two students brought this idea, this issue to the table, and that produced another eight kids. Now watch this. <clears throat> the law of uh, exponential growth happens because those other six kids are gonna touch two or three or more kids mm. and say, "Hey, man, all we're gonna do is grow outside and plant flowers." Why are we planting flowers? Because it attracts bees. Well, we don't want bees by the door. We're not going to plant them by the door. We're going to plant them in the back of the school or somewhere like that. But we have to have a place where pollination happens because that's how you keep the bees alive. And that's how we have this circle of life, if you will. And yes. so now you start to grow out. But then we have a young lady who came in <clears throat> uh, right before school started and gave us a whole presentation on uh, a club that's, um, that's an anti-bully club. Okay. She had a purpose, a slideshow and everything. And so then I had a kid come in one day in my office. He was upset because somebody was messing with him. Um, and he was like, but I want to do something about it, Mr. Brown. I just don't want to be victimized. That's a whole other conversation by itself that refuses to be victimized and, and walking in that space. But I said, I'm going to kick you up with this student who has the same idea as you. Why don't you all start this to create this movement? So the girl started the club, this guy that came in as a victim but didn't want to be a victim is now connected with this young lady and they, they have this whole club going on. Wow. And so we, we probably at our school have 20 to 30 clubs where there's something for everybody and that doesn't include the sports that we have. That doesn't include band, that doesn't include orchestra. You know, there's, there are so many clubs and there's a space for everybody. Now the challenge is making sure that our kids know that, and, and, and it's out there and we talk about it, but getting them plugged in. So whenever I talk to a kid uh, that may be struggling uh, to connect or uh, a parent that's having some struggles with their kids, I'm always talking about clubs. Let's get them connected to a group of kids that have the same interest so they'll feel like they belong somewhere. And that's one of the, on, on what is that, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The, yes, the, yes, the yes. Need to, the, the need to belong. Need to belong. <clears throat> and, even, and even the idea that a level of protection comes through association. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole thought right there that I'm not alone physically. I'm not alone. I have people with me. You're building so your feel, squad. You're building your squad. Uh, yeah, but we're not building it to fight. It's just that right. you, I'm, I'm not alone. Right. Literally, I'm sitting at the table with people that care about me, that love me, and, and give me a sense of I'm fenced in and I'm, I'm okay. And so that's really the biggest, <clears throat> the biggest thing. The other thing that we really do is if we really encourage that see something, say something um, across the campus for teachers and for students as well. Like if you see something that's going on, either stand up in that moment and say something or get that information to a leader on campus, even anonymously, so it can be investigated and then, and then dealt with. Um, and so we really push that, see something, say something, and ask for help. Now, when kids come into my office and say they're being bullied, <clears throat> before I pass them on, because we have a, a, a process in our district for, uh, for you know, when there's alleged bullying, then there's an investigation, and then, you know, could be some disciplinary measures and that kind of thing. Uh, but I always encourage the kid, like, do you know it's okay to stand up for yourself and say, no, not today? Mm. Uh, do, you, do you know it's okay? 
to look them in the face and say, you don't have permission to talk to me like that. You don't have permission to reach out like you're going to touch me, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I take off my educator hat and put on my dad hat, and I tell my kids, nobody has permission to touch your body without permission. Mm -hmm. And if they do, then you have my permission to make sure they never touch your body again without your permission. Or at least if they do, they'll second, they'll, they'll think twice about it. And mm -hmm. you can read between the lines on that. I don't tell my students that, but I, I do tell my children that like if you don't, if you don't learn to get out of the victim mentality early, that you're gonna be 40, 50, 60 still being a victim and people will take advantage of you all the way through the rest of your life. Well, that, that kind of rolls into because I, I love I love what you with all the great tools that you just gave us right now, what you're doing at McCullough, but that kind of rolls into my next question when you brought the adult into it. Um, what are some beneficial adult actions? You know, you just said what you do personally with your children. It's about be more preventive instead of respond responding. I mean, as adults, we show up, we show up when things we show up when our kids come home and tell us they have been bullied. But what are some things that we can do? Uh, a little bit more concrete things that parents can do to help their kids. Um, there's a term I saw in an article called bully proofing your, ch your child. I don't know if that can be done, if that's possible, but what are some things that you would encourage adults to think about? That, that, that is a great question as well. First, we, first of all, I, I think as parents, as I learned to, as, in, in parenting, learn to be a better parent um, continually, that's a daily activity, but empowering, empowering your kids. Um, feeding positive messages. I, I have I have kids at my school that are walking victims. Right, it's it's sad to see because everybody's after you, everybody's bullying you. Your head is always down, and I have to help to reshape their thinking about themselves. And so I would say to parents, um, are you aware of the messages that you're providing to your children? Um, to, to be bullied means on a level that you allow somebody to take advantage of you, right? Mm -hmm. But then how do, we, how do we even combat that? Well, I, as an individual, as a parent, have to let my kids know and teach it constantly and pour it in that you have value all by yourself. You are valuable to this family, you're valuable to this community, and eventually the, the nation, the world will see that you have value. And to build that thought in, um, it's easy to pick on a kid that who has low self-esteem, if you will. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, but that self-esteem building, it starts at home. It, it starts with the people that are giving them messages over and over again. And the people that should be giving those messages initially should be uh, the caregivers, because it could be grandmother, it could be aunt, right? Right? It could be big sister. So those people that are responsible for your your daily sustenance, if you will, are the people that should be pouring these messages into you. And so it really starts off with the messaging. You can be strong. You are, you are strong. And if you don't feel strong, then you are capable of making connections with people that can make up for your deficits. All of those things really, really matter. And so it really, it starts as parents pouring into to our children the thoughts that make them believe that they don't have to be victimized. Yeah. Because because they the truth is, Janice, and we we you've been there before. Like you don't you don't have to be. I, I remember um, you know, the kid coming home one day and saying, This kid is picking on him. What do I do? And just like I've told you before, 
if he touches you, you have my permission. And he says, well, dad, I'm going to get in trouble. And I said, I understand. And then I'll come pick you up from school and we'll go have ice cream and we'll talk about it. And mm-hmm. then we'll go on about it. But you're not going to let somebody, because if I'm not there to protect you, then you have to protect yourself. So I, as a parent, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to say, to let you know that you have permission to protect yourself. I think this, 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 this may not have much to do with the question, but I think we've built a society on a level, especially in schools, of victim mentality. Well, we don't even give room for a student to stand up for him or herself or their self, right? Right. Like, like if you stand up for you, like if a kid punches you and you punch back, in some districts, you're in just as much trouble as the initiator. Yes. Like, I, I think, so then now the expectation is, okay, so the, the, what it is is, okay, I don't want to get in trouble because if I punch this person back, then I'm going to get in trouble. So the message is, don't fight back. Right. I think that's I think that's the bad message. I think I think that's a that's a that's a tough line to walk. We don't want a bunch of kids fighting, but what what are we building in these kids when we're giving when we're putting them in a system that says if you fight back, you're in trouble? Well, uh, also um, putting them in the position of where people say just suck it up, which is which is just as bad, and not giving them the tools because there's there's different ways that you can handle it and be with it without the physicality. Sure. Could possibly get into it, but I think we don't leave room for kids to to uh, express that because they don't want to get in trouble. They because of the the thing. If I fight back, it's going to be a big issue. Whether I fight with my mouth or fight with my body, there's going to be an issue with it. But and we and we talk about growth mindset and all these different things, allowing failure to happen. Sometimes failure happens in choices, and uh, we can grow from that. So I. I I get it. I, I, I agree with you. It's, but, what, it's- but, but, but even that, like, like I have a question, like, so, I mean, so what do we do? What, what, kind, what kind of adult are we creating in, right. in, in this climate? You know, I, I mean, if, if ever a child, when they, if, they're, if this is built into them over time, then these values or these ideas or these conditioned responses are going to carry with them into adulthood. So every time they bump into somebody, that may have a measure of power, then the expectation that they've been taught is to suck it up, be quiet, don't say anything, don't be oppositional. Mm-hmm. And and from what I understand, a little bit I know about history, this country was built on just that. Somebody standing up and saying, "Not today." That's why I like. That. That's why I like that phrase that you said because uh, it, that is it is, and I think you know. It's, it's an interesting thing. And that's why I was so um, much intrigued to talk about the middle schooler, because it sounds like a real simple question, uh, a real simple answer is like, why does, uh, why does bullying happen in middle school? It's because you're going through all those emotions and people say, oh, because they're in between there or whatever. But how are we building strong characters out of that? Because okay. if that's where it's happening. I mean, it's just like academically. People talk about people being bad in math. It happens in middle school. <laughs> it happens right. right before they get into middle school. And we have to attack it at a attack it very straight on with some good tools and some good techniques in order to help them grow. So we talk about the right. academics and growing there, but the social emotional levels have to grow with kids. Otherwise, we're not creating the adults that we want out in the world to handle right. difficult situations. Let me let me add an additional layer to bully the bullyproof. Um, 
a question for for potential parents get your get your kids connected to something other than just going to school and going home uh get them involved in something again schools have clubs um extracurricular activities are great places um for kids to build strong and healthy relationships um to build those uh connectors uh but also those are great places to where if you are in a space where you're being bullied and you feel powerless, it's not in that space and you may be able to emote or you may be able to at a safe place release some of those things. Um, <clears throat> I chose, you know, for, for a small amount of time, I chose football. You know, I know I, I know it seems like I'm a little violent. I'm really not a violent person. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, when I played football, I would think about adults who had ticked me off or something like that by some of the stuff that I was getting in high school uh, in terms of teaching and treatment. Um, and uh, I'd take it out on the football field and it was okay. <laughs> you know, I could actually do that. And that was the expectation. So it made sense to me. Uh, but there are so many other places and so many ways that are safe, uh, that are healthy, uh, where you don't have to put yourself in physical harm, uh, but being involved in clubs, uh, community stuff, YMCA stuff, I nine like I'm not gonna start calling out names because before you know it, I'm promoting somebody's stuff, right? <laughs> but they're just they're just there's if you can find not find time for your child to be involved in an extracurricular activity. It should be more than just going to school and going home. There needs to be something else to give them a break from academic reality to go and explore something else. And they may not know what they're interested in, so try as much as you can possibly afford with uh, money and with time, but get them involved in something other than just going to school and going home as best as possible. Okay. Well, Jason, we could be here for a while, but I want to highlight a couple of one thing you just did. If, if everybody didn't catch the subtleness, he said, if, and then he took it away. If you can find time, he says, find the time. Uh, and that's important. So here's some nuggets that uh, I'm going to, that I took down that we're going to, we're going to leave with. Uh, when Jason was talking about adult actions, be aware of the messaging that you're giving your kids, what you're sending them out in the world, the messaging, the value that you're sending out there with them and connect them with something. And it's not if you have the time, take the time to do that. But the most important thing I heard, and I just love it, Jason, is about empowerment of our students, empowering their imagination and equipping them with the things that they need to make them say, if it's a B club, that was awesome. Because, you know, people, like you said, people equate clubs with all these other things that can be just a very simple thing that they are, they're totally connected with the world and they want the world to be a better place. Bs are a very important part of that whole cycle. And so I thought that was, that was pretty cool that you uh, were able to see that and the kids were able to do it on their own, right? And just step right, right. and do that. So those are some of the nuggets that he left with us. But I, like I said, Jason's very multi-layered. And so I know he's always, he's always working on a project and it's, it's always connected back to kids, his passion. Um, can you give us an update on something that you're working on that we can be looking for, whether it's the school or I know you do a lot of stuff outside? Well, yeah. So this, this part is where I get a little uncomfortable because yeah. <laughs> I just, I just do, you know what I mean? You know, right. And that, that, that's part of the problem, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but, um, um, so I'm getting back to my podcast, not too preachy. I'm, I'm a, I also a, a lead children and lead young people in church. 
And so I, I created a, a podcast and a YouTube channel called Not Too Preachy, um, where we talk the gospel connected to real issues in life. Um, uh, but it's just not with the, the churchy feel. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's intense. It's comforting. It's convicting. Uh, the next thing that I have coming up, um, working with a, a buddy of mine, uh, we have a boys camp that's coming up again next summer. We did it this summer, uh, but we have a boys camp coming up again next summer. But the way we're going to do it is we're going to lead into it with several just events for young men. And so, God willing, uh, the next one will be a series of events, a series of events on chivalry. We'll just teach young men, you know, how to be gentlemen, um, you know, appropriate dress for the occasion, uh, how to handle yourself at the table, um, and even um, the appropriate way to, to to treat a young lady. I think those things need to be taught intently. Uh, just even simple stuff like the you know where the spare tire is. So, <laughs> uh, and so we we've dealt with that at camp, but uh, this year, hopefully, these events come together that we're going to really uh, dive into this uh, chivalry uh, idea uh, and these young men being gentlemen, especially before we get into prom season, because pretty soon. Uh, they're going to be limos and shiny dresses. So. Ooh, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I appreciate the time you took to do this, Jason. And um, there'll be other times I want to bring you back. The victimization was a pretty good area to, to dig a little deeper in. I know I have a friend of mine, uh, Sasha Blake. She does the culture and climate type information. And she does a lot with brain tips and, and trauma. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so we've been trying to get more in that. So I'll connect you up with Sasha. Maybe you guys can have a deep discussion. She likes to go deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. I don't mind going down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so, so much. And I appreciate you. And we will put Jason's information out there for anybody who wants more information on what Jason Brown might be doing. But more specifically, I just thank him for having a heart for children and sharing uh, some tips and strategies with us in this bully prevention month. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I would like to extend a heartfelt thank you to Jason for taking the time to highlight the importance of empowering students, encouraging them and their, to use their imagination to create a space for them to be a part of the school community emphasizing the importance of connections and how it helps combat the bully environment, and also showing parents the importance of feeding positive message, parents and guardians, feeding positive messages to students to create the strength and the space to say, not today, in bullying environments. Always remember, see something, say something. And we like to sign off as we always do. Stay safe, stay secure, and take care.